wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome back to Auto Off Topic, which, uh, I don't know, we're starting to get into the habit, Brad, of taking a uh, European summer break here, I guess. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, we both lead busy lives, and occasionally, we're not in town. So, it just so happens to be that the past couple of weeks, we are both very busy. Uh, one week was you, one week was me, and it just didn't work out. So, here we are. Yeah, I mean, it was more like three weeks, but sure. Has it been three weeks? Yes. No, it's been two weeks. Because nope. last time we were on, my motorcycle had just broken. Nope, it's been three weeks. Have we not been on since my motorcycle broke? I thought we did. Nope, we have not. Since like the first week or second week of August. All right, well, then uh, there we go. I, I was traveling for work flies. one week, then I was off one week, then I was traveling for work again, and now and I was off the week in between. I was go, I was away for a couple of days. So, all right, well, yep. it happens. At least we got it in now. I be off again no, next the last episode. <laughs> yeah, the last episode we did was the Thursday before Grid Life Circuit Legends because I had just talked about doing a comeback from the track day at Lime Rock. Or maybe I was doing it the next day. It doesn't really matter. The car made it through another track day at Lime Rock. Nothing. uh, I think I did talk about it because I felt like I was going a little quicker. But anyway. Um, Well, it was August 17th was the last time I released an episode. Yeah. So that was two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. So when when I was there, they were doing load in for Grid Life. Uh, and then uh, I drove back there. Let's see. It was the track day was a Thursday. They had Grid Life Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I drove back Saturday. Um, yeah. So I, I actually got the talent out because I hadn't driven the talent in forever. And um, I didn't want to drive the G20 again. Because I'd just driven it there. And, Are we just going right uh, into your event coverage? Is that what's happening here, Andrew? Yeah, what else are we going to do? Oh, all right. I wanted to give a couple quick little things first. So if we can we can back back this whole oh, train oh, up. Oh, sorry. Here. What do you um, got? I told you I was going to go right couple, into event stuff. I did, it did tell me that before we started. But I was like, I'm going to freight train him with something first. But then he didn't allow it to happen. So I freight uh, a couple you. things I wanted to bring up. One is a callback to a couple episodes ago. 
because okay. I forgot to mention a pretty important thing that happened, and I wanted to bring it up uh, beforehand. Uh, it's related to a lot of things, one of which being our Discord, um, which, to be advertising again, hit us up for a Discord link. It's a fun place, a lot of conversations, a lot of things happening. One of the things is one of our friends who's on there he sold a car on Bring a Trailer. It was a car we've talked about when it was originally on Bring a Trailer. It's a 1987 starring in our Conquest. I think Conquest. And it uh, is a car we know from when his father used to attend the New England Forest Rally as a spectator. And we know it through Paul being the owner afterwards. And ironically enough, it wound up here in Phoenix. And through all of the connections and everything with the podcast and whatnot, um, and even before the pod, even not the podcast, just local connections, somebody out here reached out to me, uh, who I know through car event stuff, and said that they had given the guy my contact info who was buying a Conquest to ask some questions. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it turned out it was Paul's Conquest. <laughs> ah. Then fast forward like a week later after the guy asked me some questions, asked me, you know, what I think it's worth, what, you know, values of this, what to look out for, all this other stuff. I get another message from a friend of the show and former guest Josh Mead from Adventure Driven Design. And he says, yep. hey, uh, this shop I know down here in the Mesa area has a customer who is taking delivery of a conquest and it's coming in uh, and they've asked me to come look at it as a Mitsubishi guy. I don't know much about these cars. Do you have some time to come down and look at it with me? So I happen to be involved on both ends of the transaction without knowingly being involved in both ends of the transaction. But uh, I went down and helped them go over it and helped learn him around the uh, ins and outs of a conquest. Uh, and it was cool to see the car that I remember seeing all the time in New England here in Phoenix after all that time and then talking to the new owner who I have met before. Um, and I uh, do enjoy his cars. I've posted a few of his cars before, actually before I knew him. Uh, you've probably seen me post pictures of a white Lancia Delta Integrale and a red Renault Turbo 5. Um, those are his cars. So he added this to his uh, 80s turbo car collection. So very, very cool little like connection to everybody in the auto off topic world there. Um, another little side note about that. The shop that is doing the work on the car actually it's not work. The shop that his shop is, uh, is a shop theater that specializes in Italian cars. So they're not exactly, you know, conquest specific, obviously. It's um, red, but. It's true. Uh, it's called Italian Design and Racing. They have a pretty cool shop where they've been since the 80s, I think, taking Ferrari 308s and turning them into 288 GTOs. Like taking not Fieros, but actual Ferraris and going whole hog into them and changing them from a lowly little 308 into a 288 GTO clone. And they do everything from just cosmetic ones to some that actually have the motor turned and twin turboed in the back because 308 is weird transverse and the 288 GTO is longitudinal. Um, and their full conversion, like literally changes out the glass and changes out 
everything on the car and you wouldn't know it from a regular 288 GTO. And they are really nice. Um, very well done cars. So that's, that's cool. So and it was neat to like make the connection with that shop. Sorry. Is like, is a 288 GTO really, really expensive, more expensive than doing a conversion? Oh yeah. 288 GTOs are pretty much one step below F40 right now. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yep. No, they are. They're like the, they're basically a homologation car. Ah. If you're not, I guess you're not a huge Ferrari guy. Neither one of us really are. I happen to know the 288 GTO. Um, I don't know what the production numbers of them are, but I know they're not cheap. <laughs> uh, I think the last one, if I go to classic.com real fast, it looks like 4.4 million. 2.3 to 4.4 million seems to be the range of 288 oh. GTOs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so yes, it does cost less. On this conversion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're still way in above any car you can drive and service. So, yep. The uh, the full conversion, like the ones that they actually turn the motor and twin turbo it, they're up there in the three or $400,000 range. Yeah. Um, the ones that are just like basically a look like a 288 GTO are more in the, you know, mid hundreds. So actually you went to Radwood, Las Vegas. Do you remember the LM 002 Lamborghini towing a 288 GTO? Uh, Vaguely. Okay. Well, anyway, that was these guys. Oh, so they have two LM 002 Lamborghinis as well. Oh, Yes. Yeah, one of which has like a Porsche diesel in it, which is weird, but cool because it's drivable. Yeah. Instead of having a multiple carbureted V12. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a super cool shop. Super nice guys. Um, the guy that runs the shop, uh, the son of the owner. I didn't meet the owner. He wasn't there, but the son of the owner. Super nice guy. Uh, we actually all went out to lunch. The owner of the shop, the guy who bought the car, me and Josh afterwards and just spent spent a day just kind of hanging out talking cars and it was it was a really good time and uh i have to thank you know basically thank the podcast for making all the connections to everybody who i know and uh getting to have experiences like that so pretty stoked now they're going to be coming to um they did not even know radwood phoenix was a thing so i was telling about that Mm. and they they have a an actual ferrari 328 koenig special in right now Ooh, so yeah, so they're going to bring that towed probably by their LM002 to Redwood in Phoenix, which is going to be pretty amazing. So give them a follow on Instagram, their IDR87. So it's Italian Design and Racing, and 87 is the year they started. So very cool stuff. Anyway, I wanted to bring that up before we got on everything else because I talked about that last time. And I totally forgot about it, and I felt like a jerk for not mentioning any of it because I know that Paul listens, and it'd be cool to hear about his dad's car being pretty damn good hands out here. So, mm. and David, the gentleman who bought the car, is super stoked with it. I know the only issue that we had to kind of look into a little bit, and we still haven't quite. Actually, I haven't talked to him in a couple weeks or so, but we were trying to figure out the air conditioning issue. This been some modifications that were made to the air conditioning at some point in the car's life. Other than that, the car's pretty much bone stock so hmm. to figure out what was done why it was done but it's all there so it should function we just gotta figure out why but super nice car anyway now andrew you want to talk about grid life sure 
Yeah. So. All right. <clears throat> uh, grid life. Yeah. Didn't get to go last year. This is the second year they're doing it. Um, it's at Lime Rock Park. It is super, super cool. Like, I'll probably try to go maybe two days next year instead of just the one. We'll see. Seeing the coverage from last year to this year, I don't think you missed much by not seeing last year because this year seemed like it was crazy good. Yeah, so it's it's cool because they do like they have a good car show area. They've got uh, time attack stuff going on. They have this touring car battle thing that they have. Uh, and they had they did full course drifting at Lime Rock with not only like pro level cars, but just like grassroots guys. So that was really cool. And I think it's just like a cool way to use Lime Rock Park. The whole vibe had from an outsider's perspective, obviously, because I was out here in the summertime in Phoenix, not out there enjoying the Lime Rock Park. But the whole vibe kind of seemed to have like a almost like if um, I hate to use the word millennial, but a millennial version of the historic festival. Like it was the whole place was utilized car show racetrack midway, but just for a slightly skewed to a younger crowd than the historics, which are uh, to, for lack of a better word, kind of a geriatric crowd now. So I met with listener Steve Booten while hangs out in the discord uh, and his wife, Katie, they were camping there. I so I had media, which you know it was like interesting. I got a free entry. That's about it. I didn't get to like go into any hot areas. I'll have to try harder next year to do that because that would have been nicer to get just a little bit closer for some photos. But anyway, um, we were talking, and that's basically what. Steve and I came up with is that this is the historics, but if you allowed millennials and Gen Z to run it because it is the, and sure. even grid life describes it, it's the golden era of tuning cars. That's what it is. That's what they're celebrating. Yeah. They really seem to concentrate on like nineties stuff. It seems into the nineties, into the two thousands and there's newer stuff there too, but I think like so 80s, all 90s their stuff. media stuff is yeah mostly nineties stuff. So it's cool. It's awesome. Yeah, a lot of I'm stuff. insanely jealous. Okay. I'm just insanely jealous I wasn't there. So yeah, I will actually, you know, I try to make it out to the East Coast a couple times a year. Um, and maybe next year, that'll be my plan is to make it out for that. So, Well, they're doing a grid life at Laguna Seca in October. I saw it today. It's also not close. <laughs> well, it's closer than Lime Rock to you. It is closer than Lime Rock. This is this is for sure. But to fly, I, I'd have to fly to either of them to make it a quick weekend because it's a twelve-hour drive to Lime Rock to um, Laguna Seca. So all right, we'll see. Maybe I'll do it anyway. October's pretty busy this year. So yeah, it's a really really cool event. Uh, I'm really happy that they're doing stuff like that. Uh, I will definitely be going back. Uh, I mean, they also do like there's like an arcade thing. At nighttime, there's music going on. Uh, there was a bigger car show on Sunday where they use the whole track because they can't race on Sundays. Um, yeah, it was just really, really cool. 
So, and we've both been to grid life before we went to grid life in Atlanta, but we didn't have time to really spend much time doing the whole festival. We were just there for the Radwood show pretty much. And we got to see some drifting and some of the, you know, stuff, but we didn't get to go to the nighttime stuff. We didn't get to go to all the multiple days worth of events. And I think that, uh, that was a mistake. So I think, yeah. And these aren't there. They call it circuit legends, but it doesn't really, I don't think it's much different from another grid life event. I think it's just well, all pretty much the same, which is good. Yep. Um, Maybe it's just pushed a little bit towards the historic part of it. I think so. But it seems like it's pretty much a similar vibe to all the other events. So if there's one near you, go check it out. It's pretty cool. Um, and it was nice to bring the talent out. I haven't had it out in a while. So I drove to Lime Rock and back on Thursday. I drove to Lime Rock and back on Saturday. Uh, really, really poor planning on my part because a lot of this stuff was kind of, I'd planned on going to grid life and I'd kind of picked the track day a little bit later, but then short term, like really quickly, I bought tickets to the Watkins Glen NASCAR race. Oh, I forgot Um, you did that. (laughs) Yes. I nearly forgot I did it because it was such a busy weekend. Uh, my father-in-law was coming to visit. He's a big NASCAR fan. So uh, my mother-in-law was also coming to visit. We had childcare. So Stephanie and I took her dad to a road course race, which. All right, I'll back up a little bit. So let me talk about driving back and forth. Um, had I planned it right, I would have like gotten a hotel and just like gone to my track day maybe worked remotely for Friday or something, <laughs> gone to grid life, uh, and then maybe driven to Watkins Glen afterwards. Instead, I drove up and down the pike like three times in a weekend. <laughs> I did like a thousand miles this weekend, <laughs> that that weekend. Well, we are car enthusiasts and therefore driving enthusiasts, and it's all fine, Andrew. Yeah, um, but for Sunday, we just bombed out in the, in the all track and... You know, that thing just gets 34 miles to the gallon and eats up highway. It's weird. <laughs> Good little car. I mean, it's not weird. It's a new car. It should, it should yeah. do those things. Just, you know, only murdered a bunch of bugs and one possum. So. But anyway. I mean, unless you're planning on murdering more, it seems like a successful day. <laughs> um, well, I was really worried about deer. It's like there's a big, heavy deer season right now. So. We're traveling at peak times for a deer to run out in front of you. Yeah, dawn and dusk, actually, probably yep. on that kind of a trip. Yep. So anyway, uh, back to going to Watkins Glen. Stephanie's dad, big NASCAR fan. We get there, and I was like, have you ever been to a road course before? He's like, uh, no. He's like, And then he's like, oh, no, actually, he's like, I went to Riverside with my dad. What? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's so cool. I was like, I was like, Brad's going to be super jealous when he hears that. You're not wrong. Riverside <laughs> is one of the coolest historic things ever. It doesn't happen anymore because the track was so dangerous. Yeah. Well, it also got demolished because of uh, condos had to go there or something stupid. Well, I mean, that's part of it, too. But and I'm sure if it still was there, maybe they would have improved it. But what a what an like, epic, like legendary place to have seen NASCAR before. 
yeah, that means I mean, he saw grew, her back in like Bobby Allison yeah. days, and that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he was super stoked. Yamaro. Um, and it was, you know, it was like a must win for Elliot to get into the playoffs. Sure. He ran out of gas. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> it's been weeks. We're not going to spoil it for anyone. Like that was like unbelievable. It was all of a sudden we we're like sitting there. So we're at turn. I thought it was turn 11, but they weren't running the boot. So it ended up being turn seven, but it's the turn that's right before the start finish line. I thought maybe I was hoping people would get like spice there trying to pass for the lead, but, um, you know, and then like Michael McDowell did like, he was doing like really well for a while who won at Indy. Yeah, he's a good road course racer. Yeah. And then his car broke and it was like, Oh, and he had like an early on, I forget now. I think he had a drive-through penalty earlier on for something. He had a pit I, issue. I don't remember what it was. It was a, I think it was a pit. So it was. I think it was a speed violation for pit lane. It was either a speed violation or he drove through too many boxes. One or the other. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. I thought it was a. I thought it was when we're in the stands. I thought it was a, a pit road speed violation. But late when I got home, I watched the recap. Yeah, he drove across like three or four pit boxes. Yeah, and one of them did no car in it, so he thought it, he thought it was okay. Yeah, um, but it wasn't okay. Like you can do two, but not three or something. So yeah, yeah, two, th- two or three, not three or four is what it is. I don't remember exactly what the number is. It depends on the track too, I think. Yeah, the way it's laid Plus, out. they were. Did you figure out the direction of road courses? Because it was pointed out that they're they were pitting on the opposite side of the car. Yeah, because they're at road courses. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole thing. I, I We're not going to have time for it this episode. Okay. But I've, I dug deep into that. When we have an episode we haven't not talked for three weeks, um, I'll have a I'll have a conversation about that. But it is a thing. All right. So anyway, he had he got kind of, he ended up in the back, and then he had car trouble, so he kind of got knocked out. But then William Byron just really, like, drove away with it towards the end. It wasn't uh, it wasn't as exciting as I hoped, but it was still cool. It was really cool to see the cars on a road course. Yeah, no, I've man, I don't keep saying that I'm jealous of all the things you did, but all these things you've done are all things I want to do. <laughs> so I still but, have not seen NASCAR either. What drives me crazy, though, again, I've talked about this. It's like all of the cool stuff is like packed into like three or four weeks in the summer. <laughs> it's like, can we like if we just spread it out just a little bit for me? <laughs> Okay, so his penalty was for too many crewmen over the wall or crewmen oh. over the wall too soon. That's what it was. Somebody else had the penalty of the pit box. I don't remember who it was. I'm trying to put it all into my head who did what. But McDowell was um, a pit crew guy came over the wall too fast. And that's what, what did it, is what it looks like. But maybe they reported that wrong in the recap because I feel like they said he drove over too many. But Or what I'm reading is wrong. I don't know. I know that I like McDowell um, for yeah. two reasons. His sponsorship is Love's truck stops uh and as a routine cross-country driver it's always a welcome sign to see a loves truck stop because they're clean and they're nice and they have actually decent coffee but he's also like the local hero here he's from glendale arizona which is okay i the where i live in phoenix is almost glendale so he's literally like he grew up a couple miles from where i live and he's kind of like our he's our hometown hero so he's a real uh, journeyman driver too, like he just ground his way up. Yeah, no, he was. He was not. He was not gifted to him by any means. He's not. No, 
he's not an Elliot or a Gibbs or any of these legacy names. So, yeah. So that was, and a cool he's a race. genuinely good guy. Like, yeah. Um, that was a cool race. Uh, it's definitely, I want to go back there for an IMSA race because it's like definitely more closed off being an NASCAR race because they want to charge you for everything to get everywhere. So I really only checked out like where our grandstands were. I didn't like wander around because you really couldn't. And like the only general admission area was like that seemed like you could that was like shown on the map was by turn seven. <laughs> it's like, OK, so I, you know, it's like. Uh, oh, we were talking to these other guys in the stands. They were there all weekend. Uh, they were like, we sat in the middle stands and they're like, if you go to the very top, you can see like turn six and seven, and then you can look over the back and see them go down the the straightaway after the turn one. So, so you see a lot more of the track. Yeah, good thing to know, but I I right. definitely go again. Make, it was pretty cool. I'm making addendum to my, my statement there. So he did get a penalty later in the race for a crew member over the wall too soon. His yeah. early race penalty was for going through too many pit boxes. Okay, okay. So he had two penalties in the race. That's why it's confusing. So yeah, we, we were we were both correct. That is what happened. So, but yeah, yeah I, remember was was ta- of... I remember him going to, back to the in car and him talking about how he thought he could go through it because there was nobody actually. There was no car at that pit box. Yeah, he thought it was fine to go through it, and it wasn't. So that's where it was at. And then uh, Bubba Wallace just needed to to keep up with points, and he drove a super clean race. Like he did. Like stayed up really high and stayed out of trouble. It was cool. Yeah, he he talked about his whole um, mentality going into that because he historically has not been a good road course racer, and he knows that. <laughs> and one of the things he talked about is you know something that's probably good in all factors of life, where he was basically like, I go into these things and I tell myself that I'm bad at it. He's like, so every time I do that, I wind up doing bad at it. He's like, so it was a whole thing this time where I needed to get in there. And I needed to make sure that I was hyping myself up, being like, you can do this. You'll be good. You, you'll you'll be able to make this work. It doesn't matter what all your previous results are. And uh, he managed to stay in the top 10 most of the day. And honestly, he gets a lot of guff from you know fans for whatever reason it may be or not be. But he made the playoffs this year because of his consistency. Yeah. I, I can't think of a race where he wasn't at for a good portion of it in the top 10. Yeah, he might not have always finished in the top 10 due to whatever reason, be it yellows or incidents he was caught up in or pit lane issues, but he was a consistent top 10 driver all season. And it was cool to see him, you know, be near the top almost all season. You know, I think he surpassed a lot of expectations and for socio-political reasons, sometimes it seems he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And uh, I, I I enjoyed watching him improve this year and stay in the top 10 all year and make the playoffs. So a lot of the drivers that needed to do well in that race just did not mm-hmm. like Elliot ran out of gas. Like Larson yeah, had a lot of trouble. Uh, Suarez just kind of pooped out. Yeah. Suarez is the opposite of, um, Wallace this year. He really uh, kind of had an off year, it seems. So You know what it was? He was doing pretty well, and then he spun on like the fifth lap and just never recovered. Yeah. 
Yeah, and there weren't a lot of uh, ringers for that race either. They didn't know the SVGs or there were a couple of guys from other places, but there wasn't the uh, no big names. So I think it's uh it's neat to see the ringers come in, but it's also good to see just the regular guys just battle it out without having a spoiler. Yeah. So that was a really cool race. Uh, and then uh, I went on vacation. And uh, yeah. That's, uh, I guess we'll skip to the other event. You've glossed over a couple things at Lime Rock first, though. What's that? Um, one, what were some of the cool things that were there? I know that oh, Kurek, right, yeah. Kurek had his Toyota Stout pickup there, which I saw in like 99.9% complete phase. And you got to see drifting sideways. I know, a little like, bit. It it still didn't drift that well. They're having trouble with it. Okay, it well, did I mean, maybe like one lap sideways, and the rest of it was kind of like, yeah. Well, all I've seen is still pictures, and it always looks sideways in the pictures. So the beauty of stills, yep. right? Well, that's how you do it. <laughs> you make it look good. Yeah, I. This is because there's been so much time. I forgot. I also, yeah, I met T Pain. So, right, that's a fun thing. That's wild. I think we had talked about it in that that episode. Uh. And you were talking about him me being into it. Yeah. All the stuff that happened. Uh, I'm not a huge T-Pain fan. Stephanie is. So I was like, man, it'd be really, really funny. If I get a picture with T-Pain so I can send it to Stephanie. And mission successful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is cool. So for those who had um photograph of Andrew with T-Pain on the auto off topic bingo card, um, you thought you'd never actually get that one filled in, and you did. So it <laughs> no. happened. It happened. Yeah, no, that's wild. Um, T Pain's an interesting character. Uh, he's another one of those guys that's like, I was kind of didn't really know who he was actually until your wife kind of introduced me to who he is, and didn't really actually realize what a talent he was because I only ever heard, you know, whatever his big hits were on the radio that were just kind of radio play, whatever, and to find out that he like is a really good singer and he's really good at all kinds of things. And he's a really good music producer and apparently yeah. he's a decent drifter. <laughs> so just, well, cool yeah, stuff. he made all his money using auto tune. Like it was just at the right moment in pop culture. Like that was a cool thing to add to music. Right. Well, people were using it to his original intention to make, yeah. you know, a talentless hack sound good. And then he used it even though he was a good singer he couldn't get any traction by just being a good singer. So he yeah. used it to make his voice sound ridiculous. Yeah. And that really kind of caught on people to who he was. And then he went on to do things with actual singing. Like yeah, people are like, Oh my gosh, you can actually. Yeah, we're not, we're not a, yeah. We're not a pop culture podcast here, but if you are aware of T-Pain's, you know, hip hop rap music and you don't think he can sing, look up his tiny desk concert on YouTube or any of his performances on The Masked Singer. And it's uh, kind of mind-blowing how good of a singer he is, actually. So, well, or, his new his cover, new, or his new cover yeah. album, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His, his cover of War Pigs. Yeah, it's really good. Great, yeah, yeah. Black Sabbath, War Pigs by T-Pain. Uh, yep. Yeah, he's, uh, he's really good. So a surprising talent in lots of ways, but definitely, definitely cool. And it seemed like he was a cool guy, so... Oh yeah, super cheerful, like very nice, yeah. like open to fans, so it's cool. Got southern hospitality, right? Yeah. So I know we also you saw a friend of the podcast, friend of ours, Matt Wood. And you saw Steve, and you met Dave Negril. 
Uh, I think you're talking to him maybe? with Steve. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He has uh, Volvo 850 and uh, Scion XB. That's all. all yeah. Japanese yes. parts. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, oh my gosh. I'm sorry, sir. There's another gentleman that I met there before at a track night, and I talked about him on the podcast. I'm so bad with names, but I gave him stickers this time because I had them. Excellent. Um, <laughs> I just can't remember your name, and I apologize. What's he drive? What's he drive? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, that's bad. All good. Uh, he's he's the listener, and I apologize, but <laughs> you're recognized, and I appreciate it. A BMW? Uh, maybe. Oh, and... Uh, Troy Star Quest pilot was there too with his. Yeah, actually, uh, I saw he. Nope, sorry, that was next show. One there. Yeah, that's the next show. Yeah, we'll talk about that one next. But anyway, I, again, I, I saw all the pictures. It's a lot of cool stuff. Um, we got to do the podcast thing. What was your favorite car of the day? Oh, um, ooh, ooh, ooh. There was um, there was some good stuff in the in the concourse area. Uh, I noticed that your talent made the rounds from a few different photographers, actually, even some that we don't know. I never cool. saw it. Yeah, I never saw those pictures. I'll have to send me them. I, I sent, I tagged you. Or sent you have to be careful because on apparently on Sunday there was another tan talent there. Yeah, I know your car though. Yeah, your car with the HREs. Um, I don't know what I. I really like the Supra Pace car. I guess. Okay. That's cool. I'm trying to figure out if that is the actual pace car because the the lettering's a little bit different on the side. So if it's the car, I think it is. And this, I have no way of proving this. So this is all conjecture from my point. There was two. One was like set up as a drift car and one was set up as like a show car. If the show car is the car that I think it is, yeah. it used to reside in Salem. Okay. Back in the early days of... Uh, prime speed prime speed really when the shop was on bridge street or boston street boston street it was in the back of that old shop um, yeah. on boston street yeah. it was in there for a long time and it had no lettering on the door but it still had all of the splash graphics all over it oh so, so maybe they couldn't replicate the lettering my theory is that that's the same car because i know it's still a local northeast car so, and I know there are only, there was only, I think, two, uh, two of them built at the time. So that's my theory is that's the old prime speed car. That's I don't know the guy's name I... who worked at prime speed at the time, but he had a, he had an SR20 turbo powered black 510. Hmm. And he also owned that, but I don't remember the dude's name. Unfortunately, we're talking probably 2009. <laughs> so it was a long yeah. time ago. And there's a, page on facebook i follow that just shared like the ppg ad for that car and i was like oh, that's funny yeah it's cool. and, it, and it's like in the ppg ad or something or in the in the thing about the post the it was like it's like jdm parts rupert work or something I was talking about how that was paul newman's favorite pace car he drove for the indycar yep. series yeah i was like oh that makes a lot of sense to have it at lime rock sure it's paul newman's yeah, track paul newman, <laughs> paul newman connection at lime rock for sure yeah. So from from all the pictures I saw, there were a lot of really cool cars there. Um, that's high up there. It's one of my favorites. Turex Stout obviously is. Yeah, is a that's favorite. pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know which one was my absolute favorite. So I wasn't there. So showing my lack yeah, of yeah. YouTube knowledge, there's a lot of YouTube personality drifters there that I have no idea who they are. 
that's a generational thing, I think. Andy. I know Turek because he was one of the OG guys that started like in the early 2000s. Also, he's from New Hampshire. Yeah. I saw FCP Euro had their 850 BTCC tribute car. Yep. Which that thing's really cool. It's really cool. They built a mini, like a first gen mini into a race car, a group like a, like a, whatever the touring car uh, classes there for grid life. Like they built it over the weekend. Like I saw it stock sitting there when I was there Thursday. And by the time I was there Saturday, it was like a race car. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I saw that. Was it 1552 that built the touring car tribute out of the Honda Accord wagon too with the J a, the Jack's livery. Was that there? Uh, I saw pictures of it there. Was it there or was it the other uh, like EG sedan that's local here that has a similar livery? Oh, I don't know. I saw it in backgrounds of pictures, so I'm not sure. It, it might be the local one that I shared that I took pictures of that staggered. Hmm. So should I talk about staggered? Because I and just fast forward to that. I mean, I guess you might as well. You've already talked about grid life, NASCAR, now staggered, just out there living the living the dream. Yeah, so staggered was this past weekend, Labor Day weekend, at Thompson, and it's you know similar, but a little more grassrootsy than grid life. But... Funny thing about staggered, yeah, and I'm glad you went. Yep, but I've talked to you about staggered in the past. Uh, and you did not want to go. Thought it was purely <laughs> a Volkswagen show. You told me it was purely a Volkswagen show, and That's I was what like, it felt "No, like, man." I was like, "No, it's not." And then you're like, "Meh, I don't want to go." And I was like, "Okay." And we never went. So I'm glad you went. I'm glad you've learned that it is not a Volkswagen show. That's what um, it, when you saw pictures of it early on, because it's because to be, let's be honest that the Volkswagen crowd is a much stronger show car crowd than any other group. I think maybe. Especially in the Northeast. In the Northeast, yeah. I think that's changed a lot in the past few years. But I also know Staggered has always had classes. Or maybe not always, but for the past few events, they had classes for other cars that were not Volkswagen. I think it started as Volkswagen stuff. Yeah, it skewed heavy Volkswagen. And that's why I didn't want to go. Sure. But I'm glad you went. I know the name also lends people to think it's a Volkswagen event. Just because, yeah, like we'll it's just like a stanced out car. Staggered thing. means stanced, but staggered does not mean stanced in the case of that no. show. They named it staggered because of how they park the cars. Yeah. So, which is rad. <laughs> Maybe that's where I saw pictures of your car from. I don't remember. So, yeah, Thompson, another great place to have a venue like, like uh, have an event like this because, um, you know, so Thompson's road course dates to the same time as Lime Rock, but at some point, probably in the 70s or 80s, it was lost, and they just had the circle track. And in the last 10 years, they reclaimed the original road course and redid it all, so it incorporates part of the oval. You actually go the wrong way in the oval. Again, I'll do this episode on direction of road courses i want to hear it for sure yeah um so yeah it's i got there way too early 
because it's not the type of crowd that gets there super early. I just I'm used to like going to shows and like you got to be there early or else you won't get parking. Totally was not the case. It was totally fine. <laughs> you know, in my head, I'm thinking of like we went to JCCS and we had to get there like right as the gates opened or else you were going to wait in line forever. That's the way most big shows are. That's for sure. Yeah, I, that's really what I thought this was going to be. I just I don't know. I And I'm used to like the way even like 10 or 15 years ago to have like a big show brought out a lot of people and it would be just like gridlock. Like, I don't think you ever went to it, but they did like that big giant car show that was at the airport. That's actually near our listener, Chris's house down in Southern mass on the South shore. I don't think I did. No, I went with our friend Al and we literally sat in traffic for like 30 minutes to get into this thing. It was a huge show. It was cool. What show was that? It's like, it was like cars and copters or something. Oh, I think I remember seeing that and thinking it was all exotic cars. It ended up not being. It was like just like a everything car place. And but anyway, that's in my mind. Like that's what I'm like. Oh my god, I, I'm gonna have to wait in line to get in this place. I want to get there early. Totally didn't have to, but it's fine. I got to take a bunch of pictures of cars without a lot of people around them, and before people set up chairs and tents behind them, which is annoying. But well, it's also a good time to be able to catch cars in motion rolling in because even the doing 10 miles an hour you can take a picture it makes it look like it's driving by yeah. and it's it's nice again uh like so i paid for a show car ticket so i could park in there um i just did like exhibition i could have just parked in the show it would have been fine i i don't know in my brain that car is not that i took the town that car is not that nice but it's nicer than most things it's also that nice i guess you have to, you have to remember that that car is a 1990 and it's now 2023, which means that that car is it's 33 years old. Three years old. I was thinking about and this the other day. I was like, it's, I was like, oh, it's 23. No, it's, oh my God, it's 33 years old. When that car was built, a 33 year old car, prepare yourself for this. Yep. A 33 year old car. Let's see, 10 years prior is 80, 20 years prior is... So, 1957 Chevy. 1957 Chevy? 1957 Chevy was 33 years old. Oh! (laughs) Oh, Right? Talon is my 1957 Chevy. 100%. So, (laughs) think of a 19... Think of an all-original or a 90% original 1957 Chevy in 1990. And that's what your car is today. Okay. So the fact that your car is as nice as it is, and it's other than some touch-ups like on the front bumper, it's pretty original. I think you painted the the front bumpers been painted, the back bumper maybe. Yeah, it's the the quarters and the doors are a little off. Stuff stuff was painted at some point. So it is not one hundred percent original. It's definitely a survivor because you've owned the car since two thousand, and any. <laughs> Okay, I own, so it's been it's been in the in in the auto topic family because I bought it the year before that and it sat. No, you didn't. As my <laughs> as my things do. No, you didn't. How, how long did it sit for? A week. Oh, it was only a week. Okay. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was August of two thousand one. Uh, I was on vacation with my family and I wanted the car and I had you grab it, and then I paid you for it. No, no, I bought the car originally for me and then you wanted it. Sure. That, that's how it was only out. like a week. But, okay, that's fine. So same year. Anyway, 
So the car has been in our hands for 22 years, which means that any work that was done to it short of the front bumper was done in the first 10 years of its life. So that is a true survivor car. So that car is very, very nice. So I guess I'm just so used to people not caring about it. Like the entire time I've owned it. Sure. That I'm like, whatever. It's all about going to the right crowd. I mean, you go to a a Wednesday night cruising crowd, you're not going to have the right people looking at it. You go to any, you know, most local shows around smaller shows don't have the crowd for that. But now you have grid life and staggered and all these shows that are full of 30 to 45 year old people, you know, let's even expand it 30 to 50 year olds. It's kind of like our generation, right? We all kind of have a lot of the similar memories of youth, whether you grew up in the seventies, eighties into the nineties, it's all very, very similar. Any, anybody who had childhood pre-internet, right? So that kind of car is, what that person's into and it's starting to skew that way and you know i get even in my first gen dsm which is not nearly as nice as yours and not nearly as modified as yours or at all it gets a ton of attention from people nowadays and it's it's odd because both of us look at it like that was a car that we bought when they were 10 years old (laughs) and just drove every day in the winter (laughs) and just drove as our car that was it wasn't a secondary car. That was just our car. So well, and you don't see them anymore either. So nope, nope, you don't. So anyway, but, that car's way nicer than you give it credit for, and uh, I'm glad that you're seeing that now. Anyway, I go to Tom- I go to Thompson all the time for track nights, so um, I'm familiar with Thompson. It they did uh, demo drifting in the like front area of the track where they added because when the track was first done, they didn't have it. They added like these like kind of almost like figure eight parts of the track so they can like loop it almost like a skid bed. Yeah. But with like, like a little mini toge. it looks like it reminds me of like, I was standing there again with Stephen Katie were there. Um, it reminds me of watching like videos of like Ebisu. And them just like doing drifting around the course. Okay. It was very, it was very like, yeah, it, these were more grassroots guys. It was very like early drift Bible DVD, like that's cool. motoring stuff. It was cool. Well, I know some of our friends over at revival were there and I know that, uh, they were drifting yeah. their cars. So that's, uh, definitely the definition of grassroots over there. So, and Saturday people were doing time tag stuff, which, I'm like, I was on the fence about doing, and I didn't do. I'm like, uh, I should have done that. That looked like fun. <laughs> sure. But also, like, it's nice to have a relaxing car show day, too. So, Well, that I was think... the, the Saturday before. The, I went I went on Sunday, which was just purely car show stuff. Oh, okay. That's what I mean. Like, you, you go to Thompson often. Thompson or Palmer? Thompson. Thompson. You go to Thompson often to do track days. So it's kind of neat that you're able to just kind of go there and relax and do a car show. So strangely, I haven't been to, cause we, they typically do the most track nights at Thompson. I was avoiding doing any Thompson this year. I haven't done one yet. Hmm. Interesting. Just the way it worked out. Yep. Uh, on that note, I'm actually going to Palmer tomorrow. I've been to Palm. I've, this will be my second time to Palmer. So I tried it out again. Excellent. With, with, uh, that's probably a pretty good segue. Oh, it's not actually because, what were the highlights for cars at Staggered? 
Uh, there's a lot of cool cars. Uh, you've got that 240 that I remember seeing it at Radwood. What was that? Lars Anderson. It's got the it's a Volvo 240 with the Audi five cylinder turbo swap. Yeah, yeah, I forget, absolutely. I forget who owns that? Dave. Yeah, that's a cool car. Um, he owns his own shop now. There is a silver Evo six on T37s that was also at Gridlife. Um, there's a bunch of cars that were at Gridlife that came to this event too. Um, there's that Mark three caddy. That's like that green. Is it Montana green? Okay. Mark three. You've seen the pictures. Cat- you saw pictures cat- probably on the revival motoring Instagram. Is it? Yeah. Cabby convertible. C A B B Y. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a caddy. Caddy's the pickup. Um, okay. I don't, yeah. I don't remember it, but I'll look into it. Uh, that Volvo is uh, Dave Del Torto. He owns uh, Victory Auto Designs, the shop. Mm-hmm. So, super clean build. But the, you know, that the Cabrio, whatever you want to call it, it's got the morettes and stuff and a body kit. And it's got those hella, like, tinted green taillights that were popular in the 90s. Sure. Hella magic like, colors. Yeah. It's, like, real cool. I don't know. It's... It's like those were like kind of cheese ball at the time, but now you're like, all right, I'm into it. I've always liked a good cabbie. Um, they kind of got a bad rep because they were quote unquote girls cars. Um, yeah. But I mean, they're at the at the end of the day, it's a. It's a, just like any other golf, just with a convertible top. So I wouldn't if you're going to build a cruiser, why not build a convertible cruiser? So I'm into it. Plus, they're still fun to drive, especially the Mark one, like rabbit based cabbies. Oh, there is a split bumper Camaro from the 1945 Speed Custom Shop. Okay. With a 2JZ in it. That's cool. Very different. Very different. And they also had a gorgeous, they were showing it was a customer's car. What is the Celica liftback from the 70s? Like an RA28. Probably. I put a picture of it in Discord. It's the like teal green. It had some Toyota engine swap that I didn't recognize, but with a ridiculous header on it and ITBs. It was a very, very nice car. Like it's a nineteen forty five speed and custom? Yep. Like stock otherwise. Except for the engine. I think it had I forget what wheels it had on it. Interior looked basically stock. It was really cool. Yeah, I don't see it on their Instagram page, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it's in our Discord. You should. Yeah, it's hard Discord, to search. You join Discord. It's hard to search through Discord, so I wasn't trying to do that, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But that's all right. We'll figure it out later. Uh, if it's Is it the same body style as the beige one with the Toyota TRD stripes? It is. Is okay, so it's like an RA28, I think, is the American body style chassis code for that. Oh, dirt, it had Hayashi streets on it, okay. real ones. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, that's that is a very nice car. It's a very nice car because it's it's done exactly the way you and I would want a car done. Yep, where it just looks very period on the outside, 
has nice wheels that aren't too big. It's the right, you know, it's the right wheels, the right stance with just a modern power plant that doesn't yeah. from that take away angle, from the car. I think that's a beams, but I don't tough. think it is tough, tough from that angle. I have to see another picture, but it's a cool color too. It's like an ice green. Like it's not a typical seventies Japanese car. I feel like the valve cover is different on beams. No, that that is a beams. Okay. So that's a beams, but it doesn't have the plastic trim cover over the top. Okay. So the beams has a plastic cover that goes over the like spark plug galley and the valve cover. Okay. So that was probably my favorite car there. That's a rad car. There was a lot of good stuff there. There's some good like EK hatches. Again, it's like just it's our time period of cars. Yep. And now people are making these shows. So Yeah. I actually had a conversation two days ago with my neighbor that really teed me off actually. Because I was moving all the cars and I mean it's a little ridiculous when I move all the cars because I had everything yeah. out of the backyard and the front and the front. So like the street was littered with cars and we were getting ready to move Naomi's Mustang. And she was saying something about the cars, the neighbor. And she's like, um, and she's a nice lady. She doesn't understand, I guess. Um, something about the cars and am I selling them? What am I doing? And I was like, no, there's just, these are my cars. And then we're, we're going to move the Mustang. And she's like, well, I understand that one. She's like, that's like an old muscle car. That's the kind of car that you save. And I was like, oh, cool. Hmm. <laughs> and I was just like deeply saddened that she just dismisses everything else that I care about because it's not an old muscle car. But sure. Well, it may be sad. Yeah. I anyway. mean, that's what I'm talking about with the talent. Nobody cares yeah. about it. Nobody cares except people like us. And you know what? You know who matters? People like us. Nobody else. So yeah, Staggered, very, very cool show. Like, definitely we'll go back. And that was one weekend after Grid Life? It's two weeks. Two weekends after. Be cooler if they were closer and come out and just do both. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'd be pretty wild if they were closer, I guess. It's like yeah. everything hits in the summer here within like four or five week period it's only so many weekends man well it feels like they like it's like the summer gets backloaded like this you've got memorial day stuff at lime rock and then not much happens in june and then it's like july we've got Misslewood, nefer nascar and then it's like you have a couple weeks and then now we've got grid life Lime Rock Historics are on uh, Labor Day weekend. Staggered is Labor Day weekend. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, there was, I don't know. there was something else Labor Day weekend, too, this year, too, out there, I think. Or maybe when I was Pennsylvania, had a big Volkswagen show. That's what it was. Yeah. So. I mean, it's cool. There's there's stuff going on. And, um, you know, we're, the Historics, they're cool. But, yeah, they need, like... Instead of just like a hard cutoff, they need a rolling 25-year cutoff or something. Sure. Yeah, I was actually 
like thinking that it'd be neat to be out there. And it's a lot of driving to go back and forth from like where you live to go to Lime Rock and then to go to Thompson. But if you yeah. got out there and just made a weekend out of it and stayed somewhere, kind of neat. Yeah. Do a little bit the, of the historics um, and a little bit of that. Yeah. Cause it's like, what is the, uh, is the motorsport reunion during car week at Laguna Seca? Is that what that's called? They have all the race cars at Lime Rock. I mean, at um, Laguna Seca. It's yeah, the Rolex, Mon- the Monterey Rolex Historics or something. That feels like that has a more of a rolling cutoff because they they have they've got more modern, modern vintage. Race yeah, I cars. know there's some '70s and maybe some '80s stuff there, but and I know that when I went to even the the Midi at Road Atlanta, they had '80s like GTP cars. Yeah. So. Well, I suppose that was, that's early in the year. That was should 15 try to go to years that ago. Again. <laughs> and that was 15 years ago plus that I went. Probably maybe even more than that now. I'm thinking about a time. It's probably 2006, 2007. So mm. a long time ago. A long time ago. But even then they had 80s GTP cars. So mm. good times. So, all right. Should we do some project car updates? I only have a few. Should I do mine first? Sure. Get them out of the way. Um, yeah, I got the talent out, ran great. Uh, you know, I bought that car 20 years ago, so it's in good shape, I guess. And I threw a coat of like, I like washed it, threw a coat of butter wax on it. Thing looked great. Like that stuff on an already shiny car, mint. Yep. Still, still fighting with the G20. I gotta finish it somehow. Um, but I think I talked about ordering braids. My braids came in the week I was on vacation. Excellent. So I got 15 by 7 full race max lights, 15 pound wheel, but also That's super strong. Light. And it, yep. yeah, 4x114. Uh, I got them in there, 73 mil hub bore. So I took kind of universal that way. And then. Uh, offsets 30 plus 38. So they'll fit both the G20 and the Galant. If I want to do track days with either car, I can just keep a set of nice dedicated tires on there and swap back and forth to the other wheels that are on the cars. The beauty of universal bolt patterns. So not universal, but like multiple cars using the same bolt pattern. Yeah. Uh, and the four by one fourteen in a front wheel drive offset is extremely hard to find wheels for now. Okay, it's, it's very easy to get rear wheel drive stuff like a plus twenty or or zero or negative because you've got all these drift cars and older Japanese stuff that's really popular now. Really hard to find. Like I got extremely lucky finding those black racing eight spokes that are yeah, on the G twenty. I prefer them on the car, but that's me. I don't dislike the braids, but I wish the braids came in a different color, but I like I would like them better if they were silver. Oh, the beauty of it is now you own them. And if you ever wanted to change it, you could. Yeah, I mean, I could just have them powder coated silver. Yep. But the problem was to get them silver from the factory, just like plain silver was like an extra hundred dollars per wheel. Yeah, that's a lot of money when you're talking about a wheel that's like, what, 300 bucks? Yeah, and the and the thing is, like, it's not just, like, I could have them painted silver. They would paint them 
any color for like an extra hundred dollars a wheel. Sure. So it's like now it feels really dumb just painting them silver. It's like Porsche paint a sample and going with a slightly darker silver. Yeah. But anyway, they're a nice, strong motorsports wheel. They're really just for track days. I'm not getting rid of the eight spokes. I'll probably just throw um, the, it's not S drives anymore. The like the, the Advan Flevas or something. I'll throw those back on. Yep. Yeah. They're good street tire. Exactly. They'll just be a little, little bit longer wearing. Um, and uh, yeah, they look really cool. I put them on tonight because it. I had them mounted today. I was working from home and drove them to the shop and then left them there, came back when they were ready. And also at the same time, I needed to flush the brake fluid. I hadn't done that in a while, like two years. So I flushed it, which that car has a specific pattern you do because of the way the distribution is and the ABS. So like I basically took a wheel off to swap it, flush the brake fluid, put the wheel on. And then like, so I didn't do like one side, two wheels. I did like the right rear and then you have to go to the front left and then the left rear and then the right front. So it's kind of silly to bounce around and do it that way. It took me longer, but uh, everything's flushed and good to go. Excellent. And it does look good. I'm not, uh, I'm definitely not hating the wheels at all. They look really good. So it does look good. Uh, They look pretty meaty. I went with the Azenus ST660, so the new, the newer tire they have, which is apparently, even though it's the same size tire, is bigger. Because that's the, that's the funny thing about tires is that even though you can, they all use metric sizing. They're not necessarily always the same size. I think it's the RT660, right? Yeah. It's like clothes. You can buy an XL, but it might not actually be an XL. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's weird, but... You got the Falcons are just Japanese sizing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I um, I went with a... So the, the black racing wheels are a 16... Oh, sorry, a 15 by 6.5 with like a 40 offset plus 40. And then the, you know, these are so now a half inch wider and a slightly lower offset plus 38 um, plus 38. So they actually stick out further. Um, and like I had, I did the right rear first and it was touching the sway bar, which is an aftermarket sway bar. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I think you can just shift over. And like I put the car back on the ground, and then the sway bar is not touching the wheel anymore. I'm like, all right, I guess this is just jacked up. I don't know. But but is it going to move during like the dynamic movement of the wheel on track? I'll find out. <laughs> all right. I'll just be ready to catch the car when the left rear locks up. I don't. I mean, I don't think it will. I think it's just because the thing was at full droop at the back. Sure. Just um, like it will be in a hard left turn. It'll be a hard right. Oh, they said a left. Was it, it was the right rear. Okay. So anyway, all right, well, let's hope the, for the, the bar best. does have some room to move. So maybe I just need to slide it over and get some bar locks, but I'll find out. Yeah, Probably the best idea. 
because it would suck to be like mid-turn and lift the wheels a little bit and it locks up and does weird things. But. I don't know. They'll be all right. I'm going to test drive it tomorrow morning. Okay, excellent. Either way, they look good, and they'll look good. They'll look good in the Galant too. So, worst case, I was like, maybe I should bring two of the wheels with me. I could just put them on the rear if I need to just drive home. Right. But I think I'll be all right. You can see even the other narrower tires where they were rubbing on the rear strut. So, because it's got McPherson struts in the rear. So like it has what you would have on the front of a car in the rear of a car. It's like a Subaru. Sure. Which means the wider tires are going to rub even more. Uh, it felt like the same amount of clearance. Because it's the same section width. Uh, it's weird. All right. These tires are interesting. They also have a huge, they have like a half inch rim bar. Yokohama's always had a big like rim bar on them, it seems. Yoko's do, but these are Falcons. Oh, that's right, too. Like, this is the biggest one I've seen on a Falcon, which is I, My brain is on Yokohama because I just bought a set of Yokos. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are my two go-to. It's like my two oils. I do Motul or Lokomali. I do Falcons or I do Yokos. Those are my tires. As a general rule, I'm a, I'm a Yoko guy, so yeah, I get it. I don't have the same dedication to oil, though. But anyway, that's that's what I did for Project Car stuff. Well, I've done a lot. Um, disappointingly, though, I'm not going to make my road trip in the Corolla. Which is a huge blow to my ego and confidence and my mechanical abilities, right? But it's really not due to my issue. It's due to waiting on parts and then it just being 115 degrees here for a while. Um, Corolla is pretty much done, but I didn't get it done in time to get it on a truck to get it shipped to Oregon. So Washington, I mean the northernmost state on the West coast, Washington didn't get it done enough to get it shipped up there. So Unfortunately, we're going to be renting a car and doing the trip in a rental car, which is fine because the most important thing is doing the trip, right? We had the whole trip planned. We're going to make the trip work. And honestly, maybe it'll be less stressful in a rental car than in a 1980 car that I just finished putting back together this week. So, But I will say I am super excited and happy with the customer service and the parts that I got from Techno Toy Tuning T3 out of Northern California. I sent them my strut housings and they cut and modified and welded them and turned them into coilovers. They're loaded with Coney inserts and they have, I forget the brand name of the spring, but they have decent springs on them. They're a 300 pound spring, which is not super, super aggressive. It's uh, much better than what was on the car, which was cut springs and completely blown out struts. Like they were uh, hypercoils. Hypercoil, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was the factory springs that were on the car that were cut to like literally two coils with very blown out struts. So it was 
borderline dangerous to drive the car. <laughs> so now it's not. So it has the hypercoil 300 pound springs. It has their techno toy tuning, techno toy tuning top hats that are camber adjustable. Uh, I bought all new steering components for the front. The only old steering part in there is the Pitman arm because it was not worn. It looks like it was replaced probably sometime before I got the car. But the idler arm is new and the inner and outer tie rods are new on both sides and new wheel bearings in the front. So the whole front of the car is refreshed. I was a little nervous that it was going to be too stiff because when I put it all together and put it on the ground, it didn't top, did not move much, but we'll get to that in a second. Yep. Uh, moving on to the back, when I bought the car, it had four inch lowering blocks, which, I mean, it looked cool, but it was pretty aggressive. And because they were so low and the tires aren't huge, you know, they're 14 inch wheels with a 185 60 tire on them. Yep. With that four inch block, it took the bottom eyelet of the shock and it was like maybe an inch off the pavement. So it was just, Mm -hmm. it was a little unsettling. Like obviously it moves with the wheel, so it shouldn't hit anything technically as long as you go over it with the wheel, but still that chance of hitting things in the road is there. And uh, that one inch of clearance is a little bit rough. Plus you need travel, right? Just to make it comfortable, it needs a little bit of travel. So I went back and forth in my head a a bunch, um, and I was trying to decide if I wanted to raise the car a little bit in the back or not. Uh, I think what sold me on raising the car in the back is when I measured the blocks to see how big they were, and I saw that they were four-inch blocks. And I was like, man, those certainly are a bit tall. Um, So I went on the internet, and I searched for three-inch blocks, And this is a kind of a cool side note story. A very common eBay seller when you buy like universal hot rod parts or like wiring stuff is uh, Speedway Motors. And it turns out that they have two retail stores, one of which is in Nebraska and the other of which is about 20 minutes from my house here in Phoenix. Hmm. So that was neat. I went to took a ride down there after work one day and they had in stock three inch blocks with all of the, the U-bolt hardware. Um, it was cheaper than buying it online because there was no shipping. I think the two blocks with four U-bolts and nuts was $38, which is pretty inexpensive. Um, also, as an advantage, they are nice aluminum lowering blocks, whereas what was in the car were solid steel. I say solid steel. Yeah. I think they were, I don't know what they were made out of. I've never picked up a chunk of metal that was heavier than these lowering blocks that were in the car. They were, they must have weighed 20 pounds each, probably even more. It doesn't even make any sense. Whatever metal they are is so dense. It it doesn't even make any sense. So I went ahead and swapped out the four inch blocks for three inch blocks and then took out the shocks in the back of the car that also were blown pretty poorly uh so also weren't doing anything and i put a brand new set of kyp blue shocks in the back so those are the non-adjustable but better for a short stroke suspension setups they won't be blown out immediately Uh, interesting shock setup at the back of this car usually you go into the interior of the car and there's somewhere you can pull a cover off and 
see where the shock mounts with a screw on top or a bolt on top, I should say. These here had these pockets that were bolted into the floorboard of the car. So you had to unbolt the pocket from the bottom of the car and take it all out as an assembly with the shock and then rebuild the little shock assembly in like, like bench builds it and then put that whole pocket back in the car. So that was a interesting setup. It, uh, Took a little finagling to get it back in there because obviously all of the bushings are new. And actually the top shock mount bushings are now not black rubber. They're that red Delrin. So they're a little more solid mounted on top of the shocks. So it uh, it's a good setup. I still need to figure out the ride height in the front. I wanted to take it for a little bit of a ride before I adjusted it just to kind of see where it settled down to. Uh, and unfortunately, ever since I finished it, it's been it's been pretty busy. Um, I finished it last Friday ish. That was mostly back together, and I had said, "All right, well, if I can get this thing together on Friday, I can jump into it on Saturday, do some shakedown miles, and then we have Monday off. I can literally cannonball the car to Washington." jump an airplane and come home and then make the trip in the car still. Unfortunately, we had a medical issue with somebody in the family and I didn't get to do all the stuff I wanted to on Saturday because we had, uh, you know, family stuff to deal with. So that didn't happen and probably for the better, (laughs) but I did manage to drive the car around a little bit. So like, the front of the car did settle a little bit to where it sits so I can lower it a little bit more and then figure out the alignment. But my goodness, does that car drive 100,000 times better than it did before. I mean, I don't think there's a word in the English language that describes the difference from where it was to where it is. So it, uh, it reminds me, I mean, it's all the same components basically that are in the Cressida. Uh, it's a lighter car, so it's a little bit stiffer feeling, but I mean, the car, it just drives like a car. Like, it's so nice. And it's still pretty low, so it doesn't look like I, you know, raise it up to stock height or anything. So it's still got a nice, you know, low look to it. And it drives nice. And, man, it's... I was a little nervous that it was still going to ride like crap just because of the stiffer springs and still having lowering blocks in the rear and that I was going to have spent all this money on these components and not had a huge improvement. But, no. It's uh, it's quite nice. So, I think we were used to older coilover stuff. The technology's gotten a lot better. People have gotten better at setting them up. I mean, as far as the old ride quality and old stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, this is uh, other than know, driving like driving my Talon this past weekend and putting up a ton of miles on it. Like the feels in that mm-hmm. that car rides so nice. Like it rides like a stock talon road right like it doesn't like before with the kybs that would always blow out and just be too stiff or end up with blown shocks like or the factory springs which were super soft and you'd kind of like bounce around sure so nice yeah i i I can't even explain it I i mean back when the car was in its previous iteration i know you know, Naomi's a big bicyclist and uh, she's out with her friends and one of her friends needed a ride back. And the only car I had that could fit a bicycle uh-huh. in it was that. 
And I was like, well, just so you know, <laughs> I will come rescue the rider, but they're not going to be very comfortable. So it's a skateboard. Yeah, exactly. Which I guess if they're on a road bike, they should be used to it because road bikes don't have suspension either. So yeah, it's a but real now, bone shaker. But now I wouldn't be embarrassed to pick somebody up in it because it's, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a heavily modified car. It feels like what you would think a economy-ish car from the 80s would ride like, which is... Can it make it over that, like, expansion dip or whatever the heck it is in your neighborhood on the way to race? I haven't, I, I haven't gone there yet, but I'm sure it can. Yeah, I'm sure it can. And again, I, I, the car still needs to be lowered somewhere between a half an inch to an inch more in the front. Um, but I don't think it's going to affect the ride height very much because I mean, excuse me, affect the, the, the ride quality very much because there's so much like they're, they're wound up almost at the top right now. I have tons of tons of room to move down and still have plenty of travel. So I'm not worried about it changing too much, going down another half inch to an inch. There's probably another, I mean, the car would be on the ground, but there's probably another five inches of adjustment. <laughs> so it was a bit terrifying to ride in it on a Phoenix Highway. But you, did you did you die? <laughs> I didn't. Right. <laughs> Somehow. But anyway. I just remember the roof like flexing like the sheet metal. Well, that's not going to change. That's just a big, thin piece of junk sheet metal. So that's still going to flex every time you hit a bump. But I can now get a windshield put in it because I didn't want to put a windshield in it before because I'm pretty sure that's why it's cracked just from... <laughs> having no suspension so yeah no it's uh it's very it's very good it's uh i'm 100 sold on the setup i probably was before anyway because like i said the cressida has a similar setup in it um but the cressida was good before so it's not like there was a huge improvement whereas this car went from absolute garbage to a nice car so it's quickly becoming one of my my favorite cars in my my fleet of junk so it looks like T3 makes a lot of cool stuff. And I honestly thought T3 was a Japanese company just because the way the name sounded. Sure. Um, nope. They're from NorCal. But yeah, I follow them on Instagram now and they make a lot of cool stuff for vintage sports cars and not so sports car economy cars of that. Sure. Era. If you have an old Japanese rear wheel drive car, chances are pretty good. They have an off the shelf kit ready for you. If they don't have an off-the-shelf setup ready for you, you can literally send them your parts and they'll measure things and they'll build something for you. Yeah, because somebody so, else will probably want it too. Yeah, well, there was a, um, a customer about a year ago wanted coils for his Colt. So it's the same, actually, even same color as my car. And they built him a set of coilovers and they built him... Uh, adjustable lower control arms and adjustable tension rods all for his Colt just by, he well, said, he sent him the old parts and they sent him his whole setup. So that's happening probably not right away this year. Cause I had to, I'll never financially recover from this Corolla, but uh, <laughs> once I financially recover from this, um, I think the, the Colt will certainly get a setup for as well. They also make stuff for Starion for Colt. Uh, I know hmm. they make RX-7 parts. Um, I, they make starring and stuff. They could definitely, I could put the same stuff in the Sapporo. You know, I could spend a ton of money and have every car with a T3 setup in it. So, 
and it's not only not only suspension stuff. They I have a shifter still to put in the Corolla too. I have not done yet, um, which I've heard from others. Uh, the aforementioned Steve actually had it in his old Corolla, and he said it's like night and day difference. So I'm excited to put that in. It's supposed to be like a 50% reduction in throw and like 100% gain in positivity. So that still has to go in. I haven't put the pan hard bar in yet because I have to find somebody to weld that in for me. Um, I do not have a welder uh, or the confidence in my welding skills to have a suspension mounting point welded in the car. So I still have to do that. But a couple minor things left. But they they make they make full door panels for Corollas for the interior trim to like replace them with like a thin, you know, racing style. And they, they make oh. tons of cool parts. And that's they're really good customer service. They they got back to me. I'd send them an email. They get back to me immediately. You know, if it wasn't. It was end of the day. They get back next day by eight oh five. So Antonio was the guy I dealt with and couldn't be happier. So I'm really excited that you're modifying cars with actual parts because I don't think you ever really did that before. Well, if you want to get into that, I, I have not no, um, and I never really had the money to do that you just before. kept buying more cars instead of modifying the ones you had it wasn't even the buying more cars factor at the time it was people in my life that had a way of spending money that was not for cars and uh spending my money and my time in ways that were not productive so i don't have that anymore i have much more control over my finances and time now than i've ever had so i, I can do that kind of stuff so i'm i'm excited um I'm I'm really excited to move on to this Mustang project and get that thing all together because I've never I've never built a motor from scratch either before. So I'm super excited for that. Like I've done multiple cars cylinder heads, you know, but I've never done a full down to bare block motor build. So But yeah, I'm uh things are changing and <laughs> things have changed significantly in my life and I can do stuff like this. So so the Mustang is now in position to get worked on when it cools off some more? Oh, yeah. The Mustang is ready to be worked on. It's it's uh, in the yard where it's going to be worked on. Cool. Um, yeah. No, it's it's definitely it's definitely next. So I'm hoping when we get back from our next trip, which is next week or so, um, the plan is to hit that motor hard and get going because it should be cooler by, by then, so... We'll see. That's that's the next big, big project. But the next project on my plate after the next one I talk about is the Mercor because I am so mad at that car. I don't know if you remember, but it drains batteries, right? Oh, it does? I don't I don't remember that. No. Yeah, it's got a battery drain. I, I forgot. Why. Yeah. So I was frustrated with it. When summertime hit, I threw a cover over it. I made it all sealed up nice. And I was like, I'll deal with this in the fall when it cools off a little bit. So when I went to move cars around the other day, I had to move the car. It's been sitting for probably a month and a half, maybe two months. I disconnected the battery when I parked it because yep. it has a battery drain. So I was like, yep. I don't want to deal with this battery being dead. So I connected the battery. Goddamn battery was dead. Ooh, well, it's maybe like, it's got a bad battery. It's the Bermuda Triangle of cars. The battery is from July of 22. So Yeah, I had that bad battery that I bought. That went in a year for the Talon. Maybe. Or maybe just fried from dying so much by being drained. Who knows? But I was super yeah. frustrated because I literally parked the car with the battery fully charged. At, you know, it was like reading, you know, what, over 12 volts sitting there ready to go. 
and 0.05 is what it read yesterday or Monday when I went to move it. And it wouldn't even take a charge. I put the charger on it. It was just like, connect clamps. They're connected. Yeah, connect it wouldn't clamps. register. It was too dead. Yep. So thankfully, it's a Napa battery from a year ago. So it has... Uh, it's probably got a bad cell or something. It's It's got a two-year warranty on it. So I'll go get a new battery for that this week. I just haven't done it yet. So, and thankfully, it has the same general size. Uh, actually, it's much shorter because I couldn't close the hood. But it had the same... The, the, the terminals reach from the battery that's in the Cressida. So I was able to at least start it and move it. But it did start once I put a good battery in it. But just frustrating. So that car has to be next. But um, so, yeah, that's Corolla. I don't think there's anything left on the Corolla to talk about until I finish with the ride height alignment, panhead bar, and shifter next time. And exhaust, because it needs to exhaust too, to not be as loud. Uh, I think last time we talked, I had issues with the Royal Enfield. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. Uh, I finally got parts in they took about two and a half weeks um that's somewhat on me but also somewhat on the fact that it's not a american built or american popular motorcycle and they did not work now you and i both have done a lot of fuel pump swaps in our day and sometimes with an aftermarket fuel pump it's designed to fit a few different things so it's not exactly the same as the OEM part. Uh, and that's the case with this one. There's a little nipple on the bottom that's different. And I was like, oh, I can just snap that off. Um, and then on the top, the battery, ter- the power terminals are on the opposite side. It has this huge big chunk of plastic, which doesn't really fit in the housing, but I could modify the housing and make it fit. The big issue is the filter that came with it is not even close. Because the way the filter setup is in the bike, the filter has to hug the side of the pump and it has like a 180 degree turned fitting on the top. And the one that I got has a 90 degree fitting on it. And because it's not a factory pump, I can't fit the factory old. I can't like wash the old filter and put it on because yep. it doesn't fit the new pump. The filter is specific for the pump. So... I was super frustrated trying to put it together. Um, It was going too smoothly ahead of this. Like I had the whole thing taken apart and the old pump out within 10 minutes of starting the project. So I was like, oh, this is easy until it wasn't. Super frustrated, put it all away. I let it sit for like two days. And then just last night I was like, all right, I'm going to a little calm down. I'll go back out and look at this and see if there is something I was missing. I looked at it again last night in a new headspace. There wasn't anything. It would not go together properly. So, unfortunately, I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll email the guy that I got it from on eBay and be like, hey, man, this is wrong. So I emailed him last night. I put a part, because the part in the picture on the eBay listing is different than the one I got. The part in the listing shows what I the bike came with. Yeah. The part in my hand looks different. So I put, you know, part and image, not what was sold. Um, and he comes back and he's like, could you please explain to me what's different? So I sent him pictures. And he's like, that's going to work. And I was like, it doesn't work. And he goes, I've been doing fuel pumps for 40 years. I know what works and what doesn't work. And I was like, well, I have it in front of me and it doesn't fit. 
And I've also been doing this for a long time and I know how to make things work. If I have to make them work, I can't make this work. So we're going back and forth like 12 emails during the day today. And he's just arguing with me the whole time. And finally I was like, listen, it doesn't fit. I can't make it work. I try to make it work. Just give me your return instructions. I've never installed it. There's no fuel on it. It wasn't plugged in. It's all in its original packaging. I sealed it up nice. You can't even tell it was ever even opened. Just want to send it back. And he comes back and he's like, take it back out, heat it up with a torch, bend the fitting 90 degrees and put it back together. It'll work just fine. So I'm like, no, man, like I'm not doing that. So I pulled it back out anyway to look at it. And there's absolutely no way I can bend this fitting 90 degrees. If I bend this fitting 90 degrees, first of all, the fitting only has like a two millimeter neck on it. So you can't bend a two millimeter neck 90 degrees. There's not, there's not enough space to bend it. Second of all, it's hard plastic. If I bend it, it's going to kink and it's going to not allow fuel flow, which is going to make the bike not run. So now I'm super frustrated because he's not taking my return, even though I sold it on eBay. And eBay's like, if you don't get results by September 9th, we'll get involved. So I guess now I have to just have eBay get involved. And now he's going to have to lose his money and not get his part back. So tough to him. It's weird because I've never had one that like actually matched what was in there, but they just like somehow work. Well, again, I, and I, and I get that. And I 100% understand how to make things work when you have to, like the problem with this is there's a 90 degree bend and it needs to be 180. And if I could use the old filter, I would, I would just take the old filter. I'd wash it with gas. I'd put it on and call it a day. But the way the old filter goes in the end of the pump, there's like a piece that's built into the plastic housing that holds the pump that holds the filter on. And the old filter has that piece on it and it won't fit on the new pump because the way the new pump's end cap is designed. The new filter has to be used with the new pump, but I can't use the new filter with my housing. So... It's just like, just send me the right part, man. Or just give me a refund. So I ordered another one. Um, I just ordered the full plastic housing assembled. It was like $90 versus the $40 that I paid. So yeah, whatever. The one I bought was supposed to be a better improvement. I don't even care at this point. I just want it to work. So, Well, how could it be an improvement if it doesn't work? Right. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's supposed to be an improvement over stock. But it doesn't work for me, so I don't know. It feels like the guy just orders a bunch of these, and it was just like boxed wrong or labeled wrong or something. Again, I'm showing him the picture, and it's clearly different. And he's like, "Not just bend it." I'm like, "I can't fucking bend it. It's not gonna work." So, anyway, frustrating. It just isn't. It's I've I've owned the bike now for what two months, and it's been down for one of them. So frustrating i still love it i still want it to work but if uh it winds up causing issues I might have to get something different so whatever anyway that's my project car updates for now i think i don't think i've worked on anything else nope that's it oh the uh, right. the, the blue colt started on the half of a crank after sitting for just as long as the other cars so continues okay. to be best car 
I don't know. The Corolla wagon's like kind of inching up there. No, the Corolla wagon doesn't start as nicely as the Colt, and the Colt's cooler looking. Okay. Colt will be coolest car. That's all. Colt is Colt is still yeah. favorite. Colt is still favorite of the junk. Corolla wagon's inching up there as one of the favorites, but not the favorite. All right, cool. Is that a podcast? I think it's a podcast. Yeah, I think that's it for today. All right, so we're back. Gave you an hour and a half. All kinds of stuff. And uh, yeah. Brad, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at TSISS350. I also try to post more often than I have been, but at least weekly at Scale Autocast on Instagram. Yeah, I got to get some stuff on there. I got some stuff coming in. So, Oh, speaking of which, thank you very much. Ago. Thank you very much, Andrew. I had to get a box today from the... Oh, that showed up early. Man, uh, ...with some stuff in it. So I did go through that, and uh, I'm super excited for some of that diecast stuff that you sent my way. I have a box here that's waiting for one car to come in to... Uh, to go to you as well so yeah all right cool they can follow the podcast on off topic on instagram it's probably the best way to get it uh i'm on instagram erase and anger and uh that's kind of just been where i've been posting stuff and hanging out because it's kind of ended up being the best of the social medias so um yeah i put a bunch of uh stuff from grid life I'll have to put some stuff up from Staggered, and uh, yeah, that's yeah. And about I've, it. Been, I've been dealing with the heat here and going to car shows here too. So stuff still been posting on both of my personal page and that page there. And I put a throwback picture to 2013 or 2012 up the other day on there. So that nobody remembers where or none what of us remember. I I kind of remember going to it, but I don't remember what it was for. I can tell where it is. Like we know, know where exactly it is. Where it is. We don't know boat in the background where... gives it away, but <laughs> yeah, we just don't know where we're doing or where it's, we're it's probably going. a building there now, actually. Yeah. Cause at that point the seaport was like empty. Yep. It was not built up like it is now. So nope. who knows? Strange lost to time. Um, all right, cool. As always keep cars analog and aim for the roses.